So welcome to this episode of London Heal. My guest today is Gary Albert Hughes. Now, Gary is a wonderful human being and a very interesting background because even though he actually professes to call himself a hypnotherapist, he, which he absolutely is, the most interesting thing about Gary is actually he started out on the stage. He's a highly accomplished actor and singer and performer, has had leading roles on television at the Edinburgh Fringe and in operatic productions. Gary has a wonderfully interesting story, a very personal and moving story of his own journey, which then actually moved him over into becoming a clinical hypnotherapist and a natural medicine practitioner. And these days, he helps clients break through their limiting beliefs and their physical health challenges. Welcome, Gary. Really appreciate you taking the time to come talk to me today. Hello. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. I might transcribe that and use it as my biography. <laughs> <laughs> You're more than welcome to do that. <laughs> it's all true. It's all true. <laughs> so for those who don't know Gary so very well, he often actually upstages himself by using the most gorgeous pictures of his lovely puppy. But <laughs> how is Abe doing? <laughs> He's great. And you might hear the little tip tapping of tiny claws or the lap lapping of water just beside me. But at the moment, he's curled up asleep right next to my feet. He's beautiful. Yeah, it's <laughs> lovely. Life with pets is just so much more worth living. Oh, yeah, and, and healing as well, whilst Absolutely. we're on the subject. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, well, I'm a cat lady, you see. So, uh, And apparently cats purr at the same frequency as bones and tissue heal. So there you are. That's, wow. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Well, Abe definitely has a, a healing lick, shall we say, <laughs> just, just behind the ear every morning. And it, you kind of get that lovely boost of oxytocin first oh, thing in the wonderful. morning. Wonderful. Gorgeous. So everybody who doesn't have a pet, if they, if they possibly can, they should certainly try and spend some time with animals. They're wonderful creatures. Definitely. So, Gary, um, in the introduction, I, I mentioned the fact that, that you started out on the stage and then, and then went off to become um, a therapist. So there, there's mm. a story behind there. So, you know, they always say that, that the best healers are the ones who have actually healed themselves. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, well, I think, like you say, like most therapists, I had a, a number of experiences of what I would call miraculous healings. And I'll go back to the beginning and I'll, I'll cut a long story short, but um, I was in my training at the Royal Academy of Music as a singer. And right in my last term, rehearsing for our agent showcase, I had a feeling descend upon me. And it was a strange feeling at first. And it was the feeling of... I don't, I'm not, I can't breathe properly. I can't take a big enough breath in. And so I sat there trying to breathe and then I thought, oh, and I kind of feel a little bit light and dizzy and my body feels a little bit tight. And before I knew it, I was on the floor screaming, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't move my body. And I soon realised I was having a panic attack out of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere. And um, like I say, to cut a long story short, those panic attacks lasted for about six to eight weeks and I couldn't leave the house. I, I, I couldn't do anything really and it, it made my life a living hell. And the Royal Academy of Music sent me to a hypnotherapist on Harley Street who basically cured me in one hour of those panic attacks. They melted away and they never came back. And that ignited a journey for me and an obsessive fascination into the power of, the own, of our own mind over the body and of the subconscious mind. And I don't remember much about the hypnotherapy session, except that afterwards I felt back to normal and like I could go and do a fantastic showcase um, and perform my socks off. And I absolutely loved it. I did forget my lyrics in my song, though, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I used the technique that the hypnotherapist gave me, which is an anchor, which is a physical action that you use to bring about a, a physical, emotional state of confidence. And um, I rather impressively made up some 
lyrics and then found my place again in my song. <laughs> um, so that the show was must go on, right? <laughs> the show absolutely must go on, and it did. <laughs> um, uh, and then later, I um, got very sick physically a couple of years after that, and I had a thyroid condition, a kidney condition, a liver condition chronic IBS and third stage adrenal fatigue. And so I was a, a physical mess. <laughs> and you were actually a very young man at the time. I mean, to, to be I was, physically ill. Yeah, I was in my 20s, late 20s. And uh, my partner at the time said, oh, I know this great kinesiologist. You should go and see her. And I said, kinesi what? He said, kinesiologist. And I said, what's that? And so he explained to me that a kinesiologist is somebody that addresses your well-being on a physical, chemical, hormonal and emotional level. And it's completely natural. And his experience of it had been profound. And I thought, well, I don't feel very good right now, so let's give it a go. And I went and I remember she touched my arm to do the first muscle energy test to communicate with my uh, adrenals and my kidneys and my liver. And I can speak more about how kinesiology works later, but I remember she placed her hand on my arm and I burst into guttural sobs because I felt so understood and heard and listened to, not only in, in a language kind of communication way, but on a deep emotional level that somebody was finding out what was wrong with me and it makes me feel really emotional now actually thinking back to that time because I was so confused about how I was feeling I was like what am I doing wrong in in my life to 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 feel like this and again to cut a long story short I, I healed myself in three months using herbs nutrition addressing my underlying emotional baggage let's call it that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, was just so amazed by, again, what was possible that I decided to train and I trained as a kinesiologist and as a hypnotherapist, as you know, mm-hmm. and now that's what I do. It totally overtook my career as a performer. I still do like to, uh, give my theatrical nature a little, <laughs> a little, um, showing every now and then, but you know, this work empowering other people, to heal. It has completely taken over. It's so rewarding and it works. It absolutely does. I can, I can vouch for that. I think something there that you said was really very interesting about, about being understood. Um, I think a huge difference between visiting an alternative therapist, whatever kind of modality they're practicing, is very much this feeling that one is actually being heard and understood. If nothing else, it's just the time. Now, I think we can all appreciate that that NHS physicians and GPs have, have their limitations. They just don't have that kind of flexibility. But I also feel that it's not even part of their training to actually look at the person inside. I mean, I think many try to. Um, there's not much you can do in your five minutes. Mm. Um, do you think that that was as much a factor as the actual modality that your kinesiologist was actually practicing? Oh, hugely. Absolutely. I think it was as important as the modality. You know, I don't think any one specific modality fits every person. I hear you. Um, <laughs> and so, but kinesiology just happened to work really well for me. It just resonated with who I am and how I work. But the time that I had to talk and explain and explore what I was actually going through was so profoundly important. And, you know, I have GPs and doctors and people in the medical profession that are friends of mine and they are lovely people and they're so interested in getting to know people and, and discovering, and exploring. But like you say, they just don't have the time. And there, there are so many um, limitations to the work that they can do in terms of, you know, sometimes I ask, well, not sometimes, all the time I ask the client, when did this start and what happened in the run-up to the beginning of your physical health challenge or emotional health challenge, you know, what happened in the year before running up to it. And often they look at me and say, I've actually never thought about that. And I've never been asked. 
And I, I think that's such an important and simple question. When did it begin and what was happening in the run-up to when it began? Because it gives you so many insights and so many clues as to the root cause. That's an absolute golden nugget for our listeners because we're all about empowerment here and uh, and helping people to help themselves as much as actually finding good therapists and good good practitioners to go to. Absolutely, um, and you know, I, something I have, you can do. Yeah, and I have a, I, I give a two hour consultation mm-hmm. for the first for the first session for my clients. I mean, that's just it gives you so much space and time to explore and ask, and you can stop and close your eyes and feel into it and you know, all of that lovely stuff and just having that time and space to allow a client to talk about themselves in a way that they probably haven't before gives you so much insight and so many answers as to, as to what's going on and why. Yeah, it gives them insight into themselves too because often when you have a problem, you're just circulating in your head constantly around that problem. You don't bother to actually stretch it out and figure out what went before and what all the surrounding stuff is. And that's exactly what you can facilitate, isn't it? Actually holding that space for them to to really investigate this problem. Absolutely. And it's so different to talking to a friend about your problem because, you know, as a therapist, I, I think my role is to listen in a way that they haven't been listened to before and to tell them things that they've never been told before in a way that they've never been told it before. Right. And and so it's a very different experience than talking to a friend about what you're going through. You know, it's not just kind of bemoaning the fact that you don't feel very good and kind of drudging over stuff and bringing stuff up that, that is of no use or of any value. You know, the, my role as a therapist is to, kind of be razor sharp and hone in on those what we call ear prick up moments those important little nuggets of information that they kind of um gloss over perhaps and don't feel are very important right Uh, you know i had a client recently who's um has trouble um creating the liquids and the fluids in her eyes and she made a comment uh, i said oh when did you last cry or get emotional she said oh no i don't i don't cry I I think it's a sign of weakness and then just kind of kind of carried on speaking about something else and I was like hold right on (laughs) just just say that again and it took maybe two or three sessions for that client to recognize the profound importance of that to me really seemingly obvious piece of information Right. And so, you know, having that time to explore what that actually means, that kind of throwaway comment of having the, the time and space to explore what, what that means and how that shows up in other areas of your life and, and, how, and how the impact of that is affecting the body. You can't get that in five minutes. You just can't. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, I think most of our listeners will understand the, the hypnotherapy aspect of, of how that actually, of course, gets into your operating system, into your um, um, subconscious. But can you maybe tell us a little bit more about kinesiology? Exactly what is kinesiology? How does it work? What's, what's the basis of it? Yes, kinesiology is a really exciting, deep and powerful approach to getting answers, that's how I view it, is getting answers to questions that clients have about why they have the issue that they're facing and what they need to bring themselves back into balance. So it uses a language that communicates with the innate wisdom of the body. And that language is what I call, what we call muscle energy testing. And so it works on the basis that external or internal stimuli affect the strength of the body. And so we put in different stimulus into the circuitry of the body, if you like, and certain things will light up the energy of the body and strengthen the body, and certain things will contract the energy of the body and weaken the body. And using that language, we can find out amazing information about what is weakening the the person's system, whether it's certain foods, whether it's um, uh, an emotional issue, whether it's a chemical, whether it's an environmental issue. 
And do they have to actually come in physical contact with a food or a or a chemical for you to to ask those questions of the body, or is just them thinking about it already enough? So I, I prefer the actual physical substance because I feel that gives a stronger result. I mean, you can start um, going off into other avenues where you can kind of think about it or say it out loud. For me, I'm quite a practical person and I'm naturally a skeptical person so when I was training in kinesiology I was the one stopping every five minutes putting my hand up there no but how does that work you can't just say that this is the way it is and I I need to know the underlying um principles and 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 how you know that how how do you know that that works welcome to my world (laughs) yeah and I think you know this is where we can start to blend science and conventional medicine and natural medicine to to really help people because I'm not you know there are pros and cons I'm going off on a different tangent now but there are pros and cons to both natural medicine and conventional medicine and so a blend of the two and a more open communication between the two worlds is the best way of moving forward but um you know kinesiology is considered by the scientific community as woo-woo as quackery and is plastered all over the debunking websites as something that is just, you know, not based in any uh, proof at all. And that's, that's not true. It's just that some of the protocols and methods that we use in kinesiology just can't currently be measured with the scientific tools available at the moment. Some of them can be, and some of them have been proven. It's just that it's very hard to find the studies online because they're so shrouded by the pages and pages and pages of unfair, biased websites that like to debunk it. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about subtle energies and energy systems in the body, science doesn't have the, um, the ability to measure some of those subtle energies. And perhaps, and perhaps never will, but it doesn't mean that they're not there and that they don't work and that they're not true. And I've experienced it myself and... I've had clients that have brought me their test results after two, three weeks of working together and have shown transformed bloods, uh, blood results in you know, autoimmune conditions and thyroid diseases. Well, let, let's, let's use one of those as a, as a kind of a case study to work through because I think this is really fascinating. So perhaps without you know, going into too much detail, um, yeah. work us through a case study and, and see how that how that actually works so that people can really understand what kind of method this is and, and how you can apply it and how it can be useful to them. Mm. So um, I had a client who brought me her blood test results at the first session. And she said, this, is, this means this, this means that. And, you know, I don't, and, and more importantly, I said to her, and well, you don't need the blood tests to tell you that you don't feel very good. So one of my, you know, one of the things that I like to empower my clients with is get back to the internal GPS system of how you feel because we've been conditioned to not trust how we feel. And so, you know, she, I, we got her back to, oh, okay, well, I feel that this isn't right for me, this food and this thing that I'm doing. So I probably don't really need a kinesiologist to tell me that I shouldn't be doing that thing, <laughs> you see. So... I worked with her in in kinesiology. There's a a technique that you can use to test the glandular and hormonal system. So you can go through the whole system, the pineal gland, the pituitary gland, the parathyroid, the thyroid, the thymus, the adrenals, and the gonads or the ovaries. And this is like the waterfall effect of chemicals, hormonal uh, and hormones that release through the body that govern basically everything in the human body. And we say in kinesiology that in a battle between the endocrine system, the hormonal system and the immune system, the endocrine hormonal system always wins because it's the mothership of the body. So we went through, tested all the glands and the hormones, and it showed up obviously that most of them were imbalanced energetically. And then you, what we do is we lock those into the system and then start communicating with the body as to what is required to bring that hormonal system back into balance. And so I can't remember what she needed, but, you know, a host of supplements and a host of um, uh, addressing underlying emotional stuff that was going on. Often with the thyroid, there's, um, and listeners might resonate with this, with thyroid issues, 
the underlying emotional issues can be um, a lack of creative expression or um, the feeling that the person isn't heard or can't communicate clearly or doesn't understand their their own emotions and can't kind of um, verbalize or articulate what it is they feel to somebody close in their life um, and links with the throat chakra, uh, creativity and communication. So, you know, that's where kinesiology starts to become uh, vaster and more holistic because we do look at the energy systems like the chakras and the meridians and, uh, and the bioenergy field. Well, I think I think the uh, the Chinese meridians have have pretty clearly been scientifically demonstrated to exist. So it doesn't, uh, you know. And if, actually, if you look at the the chakra systems, it's quite clear that there are neuronal bundles at at each one of these. Um, I mean, the gut has has you know as many neurons um, as well, not quite as many as the brain, but it has a huge number of neuronal um, inputs, and they call it the second brain. So um, to, to just dismiss its relevance seems, seems kind of silly, really. Absolutely. And, and you know, I always say that the, the subtle energy systems, they are a science. They're a science in and of themselves. And, you know, you do see these relations with the meridians and, um, and, and uh, the nervous system and the chakras. And like you say, the um, nerve endings and, and all these and, and the glands uh, that, move down the body and there are so many correlations and connections and there are science that have been around since well for, for thousands and thousands of years all all parts of the world all cultures recognize that there are energy centers or wheels of energy or uh, areas in and around the body that relate to um these um that, that relate to organs and glands and and whatever else i mean it's just so vast the list goes on so you combine um kinesiology um and uh rtt which for those who don't know that is rapid transformational therapy it's a type of hypnotherapy um are you noticing in your in your practice and your clients um, that most of the things that they're really struggling with are uh, emotionally based issues, lifestyle issues? I mean, we all live a crazy life and conventional medicine looks at a lot of these diseases as being just a kind of a functional something's broken that you have to go mm. in and fix. But mm. I think there's there's a lot of um, a lot of good evidence to to support the idea that we're actually kind of making ourselves sick these days could you maybe address that a little absolutely well in answer to, to your question um am i finding that most people's problems are uh, an emotional uh, and lifestyle one is an absolute resounding yes i just haven't ever seen a client that doesn't have underlying emotional stuff going on that is directly correlating to the physical health issue that they're having it just you know my own experience of curing ibs i had an instant healing i had chronic ibs for um as long as i can remember my whole life and it was debilitating it was like being in a prison i couldn't eat what i wanted i just felt terrible the whole time and in one moment a practitioner friend of mine and this was in a cafe over coffee, um, got me to the emotional root cause, <clears throat> excuse me, of the IBS. And it was such a profound moment that my whole bloated stomach deflated like a balloon, just went down. And that IBS has never come back since that moment. And it was the, the underlying emotional root cause, cause for me was a lack of self-appreciation and a lack of um, self-love at that time. And I know that when I'm having those issues kind of rising up in my life, my stomach starts to get a little sensitive and I start to bloat a little. And then I know, aha, body's telling me, get back to self-appreciation, get back to self-love and, and the discomfort disappears. It's, it's such an obvious cue for me. And I noticed early on in my training as a kinesiologist that I was so powerfully drawn to the emotional subconscious side of health and well-being. And there are 
many fascinating, compelling studies in the world of neuroimmunology that prove that there is a direct correlation between self-esteem and uh, low self-esteem and a low immune system. People who don't feel very good about themselves get more sick more often. And I, I feel that one of my main responsibilities as a therapist and as a practitioner is to help my clients and support them in uplifting their sense of self-love and self-appreciation. I think that is my number one top priority to teach people how to love themselves, how to like themselves, how to give themselves self-praise on a daily basis. Because when you do those things, guess what happens? You eat healthier, you get outside more, you get in touch with more people in your community, you do things that just make you feel better. So that obviously that has a knock-on effect to your physical well-being. Absolutely. Absolutely. My, my message completely. Um, and I think, you know, in, in this modern world, we're, we're so driven to, to excel. I mean, it, it's a world that's designed for extroverts and for high achievers. And if you're not any of those things, then, then you walk around with an ever-increasing sense of not enoughness, um, which is just physically and emotionally devastating. And it's a, it's a knock-on effect. I mean, we all know about adverse childhood events, but, you know, we can acquire this, this sort of emotional uh, steamroller that, you know, um, on a daily basis. And I think it's so important that, that there are good understanding therapists and practitioners as yourself who, who actually, as I said before, hold space for people so that they can just check in with, with their GPS. I love that. I may have to steal that actually. Yes. <laughs> I actually did. I actually stole it myself. I have to give credit to, um, Esther Hicks, who is the, um, the channeler of Abraham Hicks, the, um, law, you know, the law of attraction. Yeah. People. Yeah. And she actually calls it your internal GPS system, your emotions and your feelings. So I, I wish I could take credit for it, but I cannot. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> we just, we all, we all take what we can get from wherever we find it. Truth is truth, right? <laughs> absolutely. And I feel like, you know, truth, there's only a few truths and we just regurgitate them in a different language. And I feel like, you know, that, that as a therapist, you, you know, is, is one of the gold nuggets that you have, the way that you, the language that you use and the way that you communicate, because I could say exactly the same thing as 10 other people, but the way that I say it or the word that I use or the intention that I have suddenly just makes it land in my client in such a profoundly different way. And I know that I've heard things time and time and time and time again but the one specific way that it was expressed by one specific person just blew everything open for me right that's that's another reason why the chemistry between the uh the therapist and the client is so important absolutely and yeah totally and you know i actually don't work with every client that gets in touch because you have to have that resonance you know i think a lot of therapists uh, struggle to to um, build a business because it's a business that you're running as well but, and kind of say yes to everybody. And I don't think that's the way forward. I think you have to kind of have a good sense that you can actually help the issue that the person's coming with and have a good resonance, you know, in that consultation over the phone or on Skype or whatever, because one of the chronic causes of depression and anxiety and a lot of other emotional health conditions, I feel, is a lack of connection and community. And so to, and to have that open connection and communication with another person is essential as a therapist. And that's something that I think you don't get in with your GP and your uh, conventional medical approach. You don't really have the choice to shop around and look around and choose who you resonate with. Absolutely. And I, I absolutely love your integrity as far as that's concerned and and really respect it because I think it's absolutely vital um it's it's hugely important that one has the confidence in what one does um and in the modality um to actually sometimes say no we're not a good fit because at the end of the day our clients have to get better and I always say and the way they do that is actually irrelevant it's just our obligation to make sure that we guide them the right way for them 
Exactly. It's it's with their best interests and also mine. I want a good reputation. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I don't think I have what they need, I'm not going to get a good result. And I know that what I do works and, you know, I want to make sure that it absolutely works for the person that I'm, that I am uh, working with. Great. And actually, that's a very nice segue into into my next question, which is you, you know, with your background, of course, you're you're focusing more on um, the performing arts and people in the performing arts. Mm. Now, we all know that creatives are notoriously sensitive people. I mean, you have to be sensitive Mm. in order to be creative because you have to be able to experience and see the world in such a way to be able to portray it. what makes you um, what makes you kind of like passionate about working with this group of people? Why why do they need your help particularly? Well, firstly, because I come from the industry, mm-hmm. and I believe that my physical and emotional health issues were a result of a lack of education around how to look after myself as a performer, mm-hmm. and a life as a performer has so many uh neg- can have so many negative impacts on your sense of well-being there's the constant rejection the physical athleticism that's required to perform on stage the late nights the long days not seeing much sunlight when you're in a rehearsal unhealthy eating habits grabbing food on the go um and also there's an argument that that I believe is true that performers are drawn to the stage because they initially have a fundamental uh, issues of validation and so are drawn to perform in front of audiences to get that validation. And so you really have to look into why is it that I want to be on stage and, and receive that adoration from an audience. Not, not every performer has that, but I, it's really, really common in the performing arts. And for me, I've had life-changing experiences, spiritual experiences, watching singers on stage and watching shows and watching plays that have inspired me so very much. And the idea that I can help performers do that in a better, more inspirational, connected way is a great feeling because we all know that that the the art music theater dance can can impact us in a deep profound way that very few other things can absolutely there's not enough beauty in this world we all need it desperately otherwise we wouldn't be even interested in it that's that's my opinion <laughs> um yeah. i i was a, a a dancer when i was younger um a ballet dancer actually it was one of the things that i was very passionate about and still am um and I remember I was exactly 14 years old and my dance teacher shoved a can of Coke and a cigarette in my hand and said, these will be your best friends, mm. <laughs> you know, because ballet dancers stay skinny and have the energy to get out there, which you get from your 5,000 calories from several cans of Coke. But of course, you mm. know, you don't really put on terribly much weight. Um, mm. It's just extraordinary. When I think back to that, that's just like, um, that's grievous bodily harm, actually, isn't it? <laughs> it's abuse. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. I think well, I've, crazy, I've, but... I've taught um, voice, holistic voice, I call it, in some of London's top drama schools. And they get taught to sing and act and dance to an exceptional level but they may have only a few hours of nutrition training. Mm-hmm. They have no real input into um, developing self-worth, developing self-love, developing confidence. In fact, the onus at a drama school is, you're not good enough yet. This is bad. This is wrong. This needs fixing. This needs to be better. And very little upliftment in terms of, this is what you're really great at. This is what you're really good at. This is this is where you shine focus on that and definitely my approach with clients and students is to really only highlight what they are incredible at where they shine what they're fantastic at and my great teacher Clemula from the academy of systematic kinesiology she said something so profound to me once in a session 
that just shattered my whole my whole paradigm thinking she said folks focus on what you are great at and what you are not good at will catch up that's wonderful that's and wonderful I thought, and I thought hang on a minute no, no 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 surely you need to practice what you're not good at to get better at it and she said no if you focus on what you're not good at you highlight that you're not good at it and you kind of stay not very good at it but if you do more of what you are brilliant at and what you love and what you enjoy you develop such unshakable confidence that everything that you're not very good at tends to catch up naturally or you just feel the confidence to to know how to develop that and improve it and when i work with singers and performers that is 100% true when i i get every performer to tell me three things that they loved about their performance when they sing or when they act when they dance and they find it really difficult but when they do the next time they perform they often report is so much more comfortable so much more confident they feel so much better about themselves because they're sending that message to their subconscious mind and their body that they actually are enjoying and loving what they're doing right because if you rip yourself apart after everything that you take your hand to you're just sending a message that you don't want to do that thing and so next Absolutely. time you come to do it you're just practicing this pattern of oh i don't really enjoy that and i don't want to do it it doesn't make me feel very good and so the mind and the body will do everything they can to assist you to get you out of doing the thing that actually in your conscious mind you really love and you really enjoy and you really want to do it and so then you start building this conflict and and that that applies for every human being whatever they're doing whatever their work is or whatever or whatever their um passion is absolutely i mean it's really highlighted by the fact wasn't it the number one um phobia is actually public speaking i mean that's above death. Of, yeah above death yeah i mean that's that in itself is a sort of performing isn't it and that's something that most people in a in a professional capacity have to deal with at some point you know in their careers whether it's just heading up a meeting of a few people or whether it's standing on a big stage it's it's the same thing and uh yeah, they, they're so focused on, on screwing everything up that they don't ever focus on, on doing well. And that's where all this anxiety comes in. Is that something that you actually can help people with that are not necessarily professional performers, but that actually have performance anxiety in that kind of context? Absolutely. Well, you know, I would consider most things that we do in a performance context, you know, if you're doing a presentation at work or even just telling a story for a group of friends over coffee. Right. You know, uh, people often say, oh, God, when, I, when everyone's looking at me and listening to me, I just suddenly get so in my head and this judgmental voice suddenly kicks in and I suddenly just want all of the spotlight off me. And, you know, I'm on a mission to, to help people embrace and immerse themselves in the spotlight you know, and yeah, absolutely, you know, help people with performance anxiety, um, nerves. I have a, a whole theory around nerves that, that um, they're never useful, we don't need them, and that uh, nerves are just an underlying profound lack of self-belief at a deep, profound level. And so I say nerves, schmerves, we do not need them. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Because there, there's a belief that nerves are useful and nerves are keep you on, on your game and they keep you focused. And I don't believe that at all. I think they get in the way and they cause problems. Um, and, you know, I think lack of self-belief, nerves, low self-esteem, low confidence is a result of a deep, ingrained, conditioned idea that we're not enough and we don't have all the resources that we need because you know it starts at school big red crosses over your work big red circles this is what you did wrong you know and we're we're um congratulated for results over effort we're congratulated for how many we got out of 10 not for the fact that we are actually there doing it, putting ourselves in the arena, giving it a go. If we're congratulated at all, we're often just criticising for not getting 10, but getting nine. <laughs> exactly. And then, and, then we're, and then we're encouraged to decide at an early age what it is that we want to do for the rest of our lives, which, which is a ridiculous notion. I mean, how can you possibly know? 
Absolutely. <laughs> when, you have, when you've barely discovered who you are as a person. And then when you don't pick that one thing and you're, and you're say, a creative or an artist and you're, you're kind of uh, shunned by society as not having a proper job and, not, and um, not conforming to what it is that everyone else believes that you should be doing. And then everywhere you look, every advert has uh, every commercial that you see and everything that you're encouraged to buy has the underlying message that you're not enough unless you have this thing. You know, and I always, I always use the um, famous advert. I won't use the name, but the tagline is because you're worth it. And the, and the underlying message is, but not if you don't have this. Right, right. You see. Right. And so, and so it's no wonder that almost every client that comes to me has a fundamental, profound, deep lack of self-worth and self-love. Because everywhere they look, they're encouraged not to have it. I, you're so singing my song, if you pardon the pun, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Love the pun. Love the pun. One of the things that we, we always talk about here on London Heal is that, you know, um, good health and living uh, healthy for longer is, is a three-pronged attack. And so it's a combination of looking after your, your, your body, your soul, and your spirit. And um, I like to kind of encompass that with three ideas of health, happiness, and serenity. So can you define for me how you understand health and what it means to you? It's a real vast question, and it is one that is constantly changing and evolving. And I used to be very much into supplements, food changes, the very kind of physical real life stuff that you can see touch smell and hold and I actually in my early days was obsessed with finding the one supplement that was going to change my whole life the one magic herb the snake oil yeah yeah the one magic herb that would cure and clear everything and I would become obsessed I went on all these different diets and food programs and but I didn't have any impact on, on IBS, for example, or any kind of noticeable change. The profound change came when I addressed how I viewed and felt and what I thought about myself. That's when change really started to happen. And if that is then coupled with taking the right supplements, the right nutrition, finding the food that works for you, finding the exercise that works for you, then you're going to have the most exciting, profound change. Absolutely. Supplements and nutrition and herbs and food are absolutely essential. But unless that is coupled with a profound change in how you view and feel about yourself, then I don't believe that they're going to have much effect. Totally agree with you. And so health for me, is the definition of how, and I'm just thinking of this in the moment, the definition of health is how you personally, individually, blend your sense of who you are and your purpose in this world and how you feel about yourself with the choices you make in your life about what you decide to put into your body and what you surround your body with. Perfect. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so what about happiness? Well, how do you define happiness and how do you find happiness for you? I find I'm the most happy when I'm not doing very much, <laughs> <laughs> which is so contradictory to what we've been taught that we must strive, we must work hard, we must achieve, we must do this, we must do that. And I'm the happiest when I have uh, a relatively empty diary, obviously helping clients along the way. I absolutely, you know, that's my mission and my purpose. So I'm happiest when I'm helping people and, and having that clear diary where, can, where I can immerse myself and commit to pure laziness (laughs) 
because I think we are beings that are designed to not do very much. And, and when we are doing stuff is to be of purpose and of value to other people. And I find that I'm the happiest when I'm, when I have, when I feel that I have a purpose when I feel that I'm giving value to other people's lives and, and also just, just doing the simple things that, that make me happy, like walking with my dog along the river. I, I'm, re- I'm really happier than when I'm out with Abe um, in nature. And I think that every ounce of happiness that we can possibly have is always found within the self. And that's a really hard concept to grasp because we've been so conditioned to believe that happiness is found without the, but with, from without the self. I totally agree with you. That's a and, lovely, lovely sentiment. You know, there would be, there would, you know, the whole commercial industry would come crashing down if we all were to find inner peace and happiness because we would want for very little. <laughs> we would need we would need the basic things to to stay happy good food water connection community and there would be very little that we would need to buy and i'm not saying i'm immune to that you know i sometimes have a little addiction to amazon to buying the next thing that's going to excite me and i love opening a box that comes through the post you know and i don't ever proclaim to be a therapist that is absolutely perfect and there with my own stuff it's constantly evolving and growing and there's more healing always to be done um but happiness is something i'm finding more and more in my life and you know these days i really love who i am i like me and that didn't that wasn't always the case i used to be racked with self-doubt i used to have a desperate need to be loved and liked by other people i didn't like my body I always felt that I had an unattractive body. I was too skinny, too bony, too this, too that. And more and more these days, I'm loving those things about myself that I used to detest. And that's what makes me happy. Yeah, and it's, um, I think it's, it's, it's so visible because you have the most, people can't see Gary, but he has the most amazing aura i mean there's there's no other way to describe it you just ooze relaxed self-confidence which i think is is one of the most attractive qualities a human being can have it actually doesn't matter how they look you know what size bits of their personal bodies are but you know that's what attracts another person and i think that's also what attracts good health actually Um, absolutely and you know i i've never been in better health than when i like myself great and my health starts to decline if those little um, uh, piranhas, I call them, those emotional piranhas start to bite the surface, which of course they do. Of course they do. You know, no one's immune to self-doubt and, and, um, and low self-esteem at times. Um, it comes up, of course it does. But... Um, Just have to limit their airtime. You much? have to limit their airtime. And to see, see, I think the secret is elevating one thing to give less energy to another if you just try to get rid of get rid of get rid of get rid of something you're giving more energy to it so my my approach with my clients is to give more focus and elevate other things and then naturally those things that are causing problems just kind of tend to fall away and disintegrate perfect and what about serenity gary how do you find those little still moments do you have any spiritual practices yeah, I mean, I said it for walking Abe, walking my dog is a spiritual practice. <laughs> I mean, the whole experience of getting a pet is a spiritual practice because it brings up issues of control and freedom and not having any. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously finding the most profound sense of freedom through actually having a pet. So that that for me, getting a, a pet and having this kind of companion in my life has been an amazing fast track spiritual process um and music for me listening to music playing music singing and expressing myself brings me such serenity and i think just the acceptance 
I'm finding all these things as you talk to me about them. I haven't considered what serenity is or what I do to have it, but serenity necessarily isn't the doing of something that brings you serenity. It's the acceptance of the fullness of who you are in this moment with all your perceived faults and failings. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. I like who I am, but if I just sit here and just recognize that everything about me, about where I am, about where I've been, about where I'm going is all provided for my growth and development. Everything is provided by God in quotes and by God, I mean universe at large. Every health condition that I've had, every sickness, every negative emotion has all been a gift to just bring me back to myself, to send me some kind of message, to give me some kind of treasure, to show me a gift. And if I just sit and breathe and recognize that every single thing without a shadow of a doubt, without fail, is provided for me to grow and develop and to bring me back to me, that brings me the most profound sense of serenity because I realize that nothing is wrong. Nothing is going wrong, even when I am sick, even when I'm at my last, even when I'm at rock bottom. It's all just still trying to get me back to me. That's a wonderful sentiment and a great point to end on. Thanks so much for your time, Gary. I really, really appreciate you um, coming here to talk to us today. Um, it's been a fascinating conversation. I could talk to you for hours. Um, we'll have to have you back for sure. And um, I'd also really like to acknowledge you for what you're doing. Um, I, we spoke before about um, how highly I value your integrity. I think this is something which is really, really crucial in a good therapist you're such a committed person to what you do. And I'm very, very grateful that, that you have chosen to take the path to help others and impart your knowledge and experience and hold space so that others can heal and flourish. And uh, very, very grateful that you took the time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute honour to be asked. And I, I enjoy you as much. <laughs> Thank you so much. And for those who would like to get in touch with Gary and um, make use of his services or have a look at some of the goodies that he has to offer online, please get in touch with him um, over his um, website. We'll put the, the link in the information underneath this podcast. But maybe, Gary, you can just mention what the, uh, what the um, web address is. Yep. So my um, uh, natural medicine and hypnotherapy is at www thebalancedperformer.com and if you go there on the homepage you can download some free meditations that are designed to help start your day and end your day in a, in a place of self-appreciation, self-love and gratitude and I've been getting some wonderful feedback on those, I'm really proud of those and then for the work with performers, uh, singers is www.voicestudiolondon.com Great. And of course, you can always find Gary on Facebook um, over Gary Albert Hughes. Yes. So Gary, thanks again. Um, very much appreciate it and hope to see you again here soon. Thank you. So thank you for listening to this week's episode. It's an absolutely fascinating conversation with Gary. As I said, could have gone on for hours and hours. Pretty much did, actually. Went a bit over time this week. Um, and if you enjoy listening and would like more of the same, then please rate, review us, um, because that's what iTunes likes. So we can bring you lots more of this wonderful conversation with really inspiring and motivational people. And don't forget, tell all of your friends. And so until the next time, wishing you health, happiness and serenity. <laughs>